truth is authoritative. It is established by God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Those laws exist for the good of the community, for the good of society, for safety and protection. When you think of the word government, what comes to mind? Politics? Law? Good? Bad? Big? Small? The word government stirs up all kinds of opinions and ideas. Our government's always ideal? No. But is the ideal God's idea? It is that justice would be done, that righteousness would prevail, that equity would be established, that people would be treated fairly in everything that goes on. It is both the idea and the ideal of government. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. We're in week nine of our series entitled The Truth Project. And today, we continue to put together the various pieces that make up a Christian worldview. Whether we like it or not, governments and their leaders play a big part in our lives. Throughout history, some governments and rulers have been favorable to Christianity, but many have not. Followers of Jesus need to understand how God expects us to look at government. Well, today's crosswalk is through Romans chapter 13, as Pastor Clay takes us to a passage of Scripture that will give us a better idea, a better understanding of government and how followers of Jesus should act toward it. How many of you in here have ever gotten a a traffic ticket or a citation or something like that? Come on, it's confession time. How many of you have you? Let's see. Come on, let me see. Keep them up. I want to see this. How many of y'all gotten traffic tickets? How many of y'all? Not, not much fun, is it? Yeah. No, I'm asking. It's not much fun, is it? Because I've never gotten one, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know it's coming. I know that I, I will get mine, too. Now, now, those of you that have gotten traffic, any of those of us that have not gotten traffic tickets, we, we have it's not fun, and, and a lot of times, you know, we think, man, doesn't that guy have anything better to do than to, you know, give me this ticket and something else he came up with? You know, we, we usually say that kind of stuff, and yet, you and I understand that those laws exist for our good. <laughs> you may think, well, I don't know, yeah. but, Right? Those laws exist for, for the good of the community, for the good of, of society, for uh, hopefully the, the safety and the protection of those of us out there on the streets and other laws that would apply, not just traffic laws, but all those other laws as well. They're all a part of it. They exist for our good. So that is at least part of what the function of Government is the state, it might sometimes be referred to as law, the rule, government. This week in the Truth Project, we're going to tackle this subject. Hopefully, by now, if you're in the Truth Project, if you've been going through the Truth Project uh, here in the sermon series, but especially in the in home life groups, if it's one thing that, that, you're, that you ought to be catching on to by now, is that is that the Truth Project is designed to help me understand what, if I'm a follower of Jesus, what a Christian worldview is. In other words, if it's anything that you ought to be getting by now, it is the fact that you and I cannot compartmentalize our Christianity. Do you understand what I mean by that? 
We can't compartmentalize our Christianity. We can't put it over here in this little place and say, okay, that's, that's my Jesus stuff. That's my Christianity. That's what I, but, but then now I have to go on and live my life. Now I have to go out and do the, the rest of the world. Maybe you even heard somebody say something like this. Well, church is church and business is business. As if those two areas of my life are totally disconnected and unrelated. Can I, can I just say to you, if that is the case, if Christianity is just this, this thing that shows up in my life on Sunday mornings, if Christianity is just this, this spiritual compartment of my life, but it's not really a part of any of the rest of life, if that's what following Jesus is, is all about, then, then I make a motion that we adjourn right now. I mean, I really do. My faith walk is supposed to impact and touch every area of my life, including my view on government, every aspect of my life. That's, I mean, that's just honestly what, what I believe. I, I certainly believe it's what the New Testament, the Bible in general teaches, but, but that it touches every area. Listen to me. If Christianity doesn't have the power to touch and affect and change every area of my life, then what is the use? What's the need for it? I'm, I am absolutely of the belief that, that a person who is, who is caught up in, in possessions and worldliness and, and living for this moment at, at, the, at the expense of, of the relationship with God, at the expense of the relationship with the family, all that, I, I honestly believe that under the power of God, a person like that can walk away from that life. I, I honestly believe that a person caught up in some type of sexual sin, that under the power of God, they can actually be delivered from that. I, I honestly believe that a, that a gossip under the power of God can learn to close his or her mouth. I honestly believe that a, that a man who has an anger problem can become a, a man of peace. Romans chapter 16 verse 1 says that, that the gospel, the message of Jesus, is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation or deliverance, listen to me, not just from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. I, I just really believe that it can impact and change my life. And I believe that it can, can, can permeate and fill and affect every area of my life, including my view of government. That being said, <laughs> Romans chapter 13 is where we are today. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in regards to their relationship to government. Now, remember, all of this is following, if you've been, if you, again, if you've been following the, the Truth Project, all this is following, falling under this sphere that we've looked at for several weeks. We've looked at God's role in the family, that, that social structure, we've looked at God's role in the church and that social structure. And today we're looking at God's role or God's expectations on government and that part of our social structure. Romans chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 7. If you brought a Bible with you, you can open there and the text will also be up on the screen. This morning, what I'm going to do after I read the text is share with you uh, what, I, what I'm calling three fundamental truths from Romans chapter 13. Three fundamental truths about government. Every person, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except 
from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good, it being government or rulers. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Verse 7, render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Three fundamental truths about God's perspective of government and how we interact with it. Now remember, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter to the church in Rome, when he writes this, Nero is emperor of Rome. Nero is a bad guy. But at this point, at the, at, at the point of Paul's writing of, of Romans, the widespread persecution of the church has probably not yet started, but it's not far off. And Christians need to know that. They need to know when, when, when the government comes out, how are they supposed to react to this? How are they supposed to, are they supposed to pledge allegiance to them? Or are we not, I was thinking last night, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11, Peter says, you know, we're just aliens and strangers here, right? We're just passing through here. So does that mean that we don't have to subject ourselves to the rulers and the governing authorities over us? Or does God have a different expectation? Here we go. Three fundamental truths. Here's the first one. Government is established by God. If you'd like to take notes, by the way, there's an outline on the back of your information sheet. You can do that. Government is established by God. Let me read verse 1 again. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Read that again. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. It's hard to imagine it being much clearer than that, is it? I mean, you can't, you can't spell out much more clearly than that. God has established the idea of government. God is the one who's done it. He's the one that... that gave us the idea of government. Basically, it's this, and I'll come back to this in a, in a minute, but basically it's this. You and I are sinful creatures. You and I have what we sometimes refer to as a sin nature, a, 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 a bend, a bent towards doing the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And God gave the idea, gave the establishment of government for the purposes of bringing social or societal order to the system in which we live. That it is that structure that exists that, that gives us um, some semblance of, of order and peace in our society. It's God's idea to give us this, this government thing. But not only does God give us this idea of government, but he also gives us the ideal of government. 
Throughout the pages of Scripture, you find this, this ideal, and it is that, that justice should reign, that fairness, that, that mercy, that grace, that kindness, that uh, truthfulness is all part of this ideal government. Are governments always ideal? No. But is the ideal of God's idea? It is that justice would be done, that, that righteousness would prevail, that equity would be established, that people would be treated fairly in, in everything that goes on. It is both the idea and the ideal of government. Now, that kind of, of raises an interesting question. If God established and establishes government, does that mean that God is responsible for the conduct of a government? Is God to blame for the atrocities of a tyrant? Is God uh, to blame for the decisions of a governmental structure? Is God on the hook for the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Husseins of the world? If he's the one that established it, is God on the hook for those types of things? The short answer is, is no, ladies and gentlemen. The short answer is no, God is not. Because... While God established the idea and God established the ideal, governments don't always do according to God's purposes and plans. And when governments act contrary to God's ideal, they themselves become subject to God's governing standard. Now, having said that, now listen to me, having said that God is not on the hook for governments that make bad decisions, that does not mean that God is not in control. That does not mean that God is like, whoa, wow, I... I sure should, didn't see that one coming when, we, when I let that guy be put in office. Let me give you an example. Um, World War II, because of the, the, the horrendous atrocities that were committed on the, on the, nation, uh, the nation of Jewish people, on Jewish people in general, scattered throughout Europe, because of the murder of millions of Jewish people, really as a direct result of that, Primarily out of, out of sympathy for them, the, the world, the world nations coming out of World War II granted to the Jewish people a land back in Palestine. They gave them a land back because they, they felt, primarily because they felt so bad about what had happened to them as a people. Now listen, the world didn't understand, the world didn't know it, but, but can I tell you that the moment that they did that, 1948... I think May of 1948, the moment that they did that and reestablished the nation of Israel, they were actually fulfilling ancient prophecy. Thousands of years old. For, listen to me. For 2,000 years, the nation of Israel had ceased to exist. Do you understand that? Ceased to exist. No nation has ever ceased to exist for more than two generations and ever come back into existence. And yet here, this one particular peculiar people group, 2,000 years, they're no longer a nation. They're just out wandering and suddenly they're a nation. Again, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 3. Jeremiah chapter uh, 3, verse 14. Jeremiah, verse six, Jeremiah 16, verse 14 through 16. Jeremiah 31, 8 and 9. Isaiah 60, 8 and 9. Amos 9, 15. That's just a few of the verses that speak of this prophecy that God is going to bring these people whom he scattered because of their rebellion and disobedience to him, whom he scattered, God is going to bring them back in to their land. God is the one that, that came up with this idea of government, and he's never out of control. He's never 
not in control of what's going on. Even when rulers and authorities and dictators make decisions that are contrary to the ideal of God. So, the, the, the first one, government, or the second one is government is an instrument of God. Let's go to the second one. Government is an instrument of God. God came up with it. Now we see the purposes. I mentioned it a little bit just a second ago, but I'm going to read it again. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Do the right thing, he says, and, and the government, you won't, you won't have a problem. You obey the laws and you all that. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Government is an instrument of God. I, I said this a moment ago. I said that we have this sin nature and we have a, a proclivity to, to, to go the wrong way, to do as, uh, as uh, the Bible says, I think it's First Kings chapter 17, says uh, every man, or Judges chapter 17, sorry, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Because of that, God established a system that would bring order to our social structure. And part of the purpose of that, of that system that God had put in place was to be God's instrument. The Paul even calls him here a minister of God. Now, not a minister in the sense that, you know, you think of a pastor or, or a priest or, or something like that, but a minister in the sense of this, this tool, this agent, this instrument in God's hand to make sure that social order and social structure is maintained because it's important to have that sort of thing. Back in uh, probably the late 19th century and certainly throughout most of the 20th century, as organized crime began to take shape, in, uh, in America, you'd oftentimes have these, these feuds, these bloodbaths between various uh, factions, various organized crime families, right? Anybody ever seen The Godfather? Right? That's right. Dave Cannoli, leave the gun. <laughs> We're going to the mattresses, right? Right? They kill one of our guys, we kill one of theirs. I'm going to make him an offer, he can't refuse. Cut off the horse's head. Oh, 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 oh. Right? Organized crime. And, and, I mean, you read about it. If you read some of the stuff, uh, there were some violent days as, as these various factions, these various families were, were fighting for control over various cities or parts of cities. And, and it was a very violent time and, and death. The same thing is true, uh, really, of, of today's modern gangs. How many times do you read about some innocent bystander getting caught up in a, in a drive-by? It has nothing to do with, with this. Well, they... they, they hurt one of our guys, we're going to take out one of their guys and, and this vigilante justice and what matters in our own hands and, and just this, this angry, violent society left unto itself. And so God said, no, there's, a, there's another way. I have an agent who will, who will conduct and make sure that justice and equity is done and righteousness. It's called the government. And, and, they, and they practice that on us. 
supposedly in the name of God. It's what it's supposed to be, following the rules and directions that God has given. By the way, which includes the death penalty. Uh, I think it's Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. God established the death penalty, and I can't find anywhere in Scripture where it's no longer um, in force or to be used. Uh, Now, you may not like the way a... Uh, a, a government practices the death penalty. You may not like the, the system that exists, but the, but the penalty itself is established by God for both justice, for justice to be done, and for, for societal order to be established. And you may say, well, I, I, just, I don't like the death penalty. God's not taking a vote. He, he, he just he established these things. Very good. And, and, and Paul gives two reasons why you and I need to do it. And listen to me, the first one, and I've talked a lot about it. He says, because of conscience, because of consequence, and because of conscience. He says, because of consequence. He says, if, if, you, if you do what is right, man, you, you don't have any problem with the law. If you do 55, in, in a 55, you're probably going to be okay. If you do 75 in a 55, <laughs> you may not be okay. There's a consequence. God established it, and it's ultimately established, for, as I said, for both justice and for societal order. And you can just expect it. It's called the wrath of God. It's the penalty. It's the consequence of the sin, of the, of the evil act that is not in the best interest of the society. The second one, as I just said, is because of conscience. Uh, it's, remember, Paul's writing to the believers in Rome, and, and he's writing to us. He's writing to followers of Jesus. And quite honestly, our standard of morality should be higher than, than that of the world's. Our, our uh, desire to do the right thing should, should be as it, as it is for, for God. And Paul says you ought to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Forget about if there was even, if there was even a, a consequence for it. You ought to just do the right thing because, because followers of Jesus ought to be the best citizens that there are in our society. It's the... The consequence and the conscience. It's the instrument of God. It's what it is. Now, let me give you uh, one other uh, truth about government uh, today. Government is subject to God. Government is subject to God. Verse 6 and 7 look like this. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers... Watch this, are servants of God. Now, earlier he called them ministers to us from God. Now he's calling them servants of God. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear, honor to whom honor. Government. What, what's Yeah, thank you. Government is subject to God. When a government goes outside of its boundaries, when it begins to set itself up as the supreme authority over that of of God's expectations and and what God has established, that is when that government has has moved away from God's intentions for them. And as I said a moment ago, that government falls under the same condemnation and judgment uh, that that a person would that was violating God's God's laws. The government is subject to God. God. They have to answer to God. They are agents of God and they are subject to God. They are not the supreme authority. So, does that mean that the government 
and, I, and I'm speaking, you understand, I'm speaking government in, in, in general. Around the world, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking politics here. I'm not talking personal preferences here. I don't care who's in the White House or the, or the whatever. What we're talking about are, are, are these, these truths that God has established. So, does that mean that citizens of a particular government are never to oppose their government? Does that mean, if he says we're to place ourselves in subjection to the government, that, that it's never right or never true or never proper for you or for myself to stand up or oppose our government? Again, the short answer is no. That there are biblical exceptions, if you will, to the subjection rule. Let me give you at least three of those that I know of uh, this morning. First one is in the area of evangelism, that you and I have an obligation to resist leadership, government rulers in the area of evangelism. Why? Because God has given us a higher mandate, and that mandate is to take the message of Jesus, the gospel, to the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 16, verse uh, 15, Acts 1, 8, or just a few of the verses that, that speak of this command that we have been given to take Christ to our neighbors, to our nation, and to our world. And that law, that command of God, supersedes any government that would say you are forbidden from, from speaking the name of Jesus. You are forbidden for, for trying to spread your message. It is not yet illegal to preach the gospel, if you will. And by the way, all of you preach, anytime you share the message of Jesus, you're preaching. It is not yet illegal to preach the message of Jesus in America. In many nations, it is. It is not yet illegal in America. It may come to that, but it is not yet there. Evangelism is an area. Let me give you a great uh, biblical example of this. In, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, the, the church, the apostles and, and the church, they're out, man, they're just sharing Jesus day to day. They're just, everywhere they go, they're talking and sharing about, hey, uh, did you hear Jesus was a Messiah and they killed him, but he came back to life and he's coming back again and he's our savior and he removed our, our sins when we placed our faith. They're, they're just spreading this message. And they're just telling it like it is. Yeah, the religious leaders, they put him to death, but he conquered it. And so uh, they, they get arrested. The apostles get arrested. And uh, in Acts chapter 4, we find this. It says, but, and these are the religious leaders are speaking at this point. But so this does not spread any further among the people. Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's the leaders, not to preach, teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So they, they, they let them go. And they immediately just get out and they start preaching Jesus again. They're just talking about everybody about Jesus. The neighbors, co-workers, whoever, they're just talking to them about Jesus. The religious leaders say, well, they're doing it again. They grab them, have them arrested, an angel busts them out. It's a great story. Y'all read that stuff sometimes? Angel busts them out. Um, and so they say, well, we can't hold them, but let's invite them to come talk to us again about this. So they come back in. They bring them back in again. They want to talk to them. Acts chapter 5. When they had brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin. That's the religious big wig rulers. And the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? And look. 
You filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles replied, there it is. Say it with me, will you? We must obey God rather than men. Evangelism is an area where you just have... Now, can I say this? Let me put a caveat on it. Let me just say this. That does not mean that you have the right to go into your workplace and tell your boss, I don't care. Get everybody together. I'm going to stand up here on this, this crate and I'm going to preach Jesus. You have no right to, to tell me I can't do that. When you're on the clock, your time belongs to him. You need to honor that. Remember, we need to be the best citizens that we can be. You want to share Jesus with your coworkers? There'll be opportunities. There's lunch breaks. There's before. There's after. There's life settings. There's all different kinds of things. But if we're forbidden from, from speaking the name of Jesus to those around us, we have to resist our government, a government in that area. Second uh, area of resistance is this, morality. No government has the right to to force you to, to perform or do an immoral act or a non-Christian act. And you, in fact, have a responsibility to stand up to that government in that, in that instance and, and not do it. Let me, let me give you uh, a couple of examples of that. Again, in World War II, when the, the Germans uh, were rounding up Jews, German citizens were command it to turn in and to report any Jew that was trying to hide from the Jewish government, was trying to escape uh, the German government. And the German people were supposed to turn all of them, them in. There was a young lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom and her family uh, who disobeyed that law, took, not only disobeyed it, not only did not turn Jews in, but actually took them into their home and hid them in what's known as the hiding place. Great book. It was made into a, a, a movie hid them in their attic or this secret compartment in, in their room, in their, in their house. Corrie Ten Boom was right to not perform an immoral act, which it would have been to, to turn these people in for their almost certain death at the hands of the, of the Nazi government. There was a pastor, World War II, same time in Germany, Martin Moeller. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but it's something like that, um, who was imprisoned for speaking out against the the Nazi government, against their treatment of the Jews. He was absolutely right to do that. At one point, uh, the pastor was visited by another pastor, and, and and he talked to him and was trying to convince him that if he would just not speak out against the Nazi government, he might not like what they're doing, but if he just wouldn't speak out against it, that, that he could regain his freedom. He was trying to talk him into to this. And at one point, the pastor said to Martin, he said, why are you in jail? To which Martin supposedly replied, why aren't you in jail? It's moral issues that you and I have to be willing to take a stand on and say, no, I, I will not do that. That's, that's not what my God would desire. And then the, the third area is kind of connected to the second one, and um, it's what uh, James M. Boyce calls civil disobedience. Again, it deals with with righteousness or moral areas, but it's not necessarily when the government's trying to, to make you do something immoral, but that the government is doing something wrong or the leadership is doing something wrong, and that you and I have a responsibility to stand up and say something about it, to stand up and say, this is not what God's desire or design would be for this government. Let me give you a couple of examples. The civil rights movement in the 1960s, it was absolutely right in what should have happened for both white and black followers of Jesus. 
to stand up and say, this is not right to practice prejudice against a group of people because of the color of their skin. That would be an example of, of civil disobedience. Um, another example would be, um, I think it's Operation Rescue or any, uh, any organization that, that stands up to the, uh, to the brutality of abortion in this nation and says that we're going to rescue as many children as, as we can from this, this brutal and horrific death. It's, it's standing up, it's civil disobedience and saying this is, this is not right. It's government. Government, God's ideal idea and God's ideal are, are good. Governments don't always get it right. Doesn't necessarily negate our responsibility to place ourselves under them, but there are exceptions. Now, just before I close, let me say this. Having given you those instances, at least those three that I could think of, uh, that I came across that, that you should resist in, let me say this. Anytime you or I make a decision to resist our leadership, resist our government for whatever reason, you must be prepared to suffer the consequences that come with those. That's part of it. Corrie Ten Boom and her family were turned in by somebody for hiding Jews and they were sent to concentration camps in Germany. Almost all of her family died. She escaped only because of a clerical mistake. Pastor Martin spent... Eight years in prison from 1937 to 1945. If we stand up, there may be a cost to it. But I remind you again of what Peter said. We're just aliens. We're just passing through here. And it's a whole lot better to suffer for righteousness sake than to remain silent when God would expect us to do something else. Government is God's idea. It's a good idea. You might argue about whether we need big government or little government. You might argue about even the, the type of government that is best, whether it's a monarchy or democracy or socialism or whatever. You might argue about that, but you cannot argue about the fact that God has established government for our good. And he says, if you subject yourself to the leadership, to the government, then you're in good standing. Resist when you're called to resist. Subject when you're called to subject. The Apostle Paul made it clear that government is God's idea. Subjecting ourselves to our leaders is God's expectation for followers of Jesus. Well, there may be times when Christians have to resist their government, when its laws violate God's laws. But when they don't, Christians should be the very best citizens of a society. There's a new Crosswalk lesson each week available at crosswalkonline.org and at crossculturelife.org. Visit us online and find out how you can join one of our life groups and participate in the small group study of The Truth Project. And join us next week as Pastor Clay continues this timely and life-changing series. Cross Culture Church has a new home in Raleigh. We invite you to join us for our weekly cross-culture worship with upbeat Christ-centered music and timely encouraging biblical messages celebrating the goodness of our God and what it means to be in a relationship with Him. Cross Culture Church meets Sunday mornings at 1030 in the auditorium at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture, you'll find a community of believers with the desire to be used by God to show that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're looking for.
Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.